Hello, you're listening to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, we're talking about lifetime customer value. There's a recent training in the show notes you can download where I went through lifetime customer value and how to improve it. We're also going to get into what the most important things are to improve the lifetime customer value in the podcast. So uh, let's get started. Hello, Ian. How are you? Hi, good, Mark. Good afternoon. Yeah, good morning. How are you all? Um, you just asked me. Today, we're going to talk about lifetime customer value in an e-commerce site. Big topic. And big topic and very important, really. And when we talk about those two numbers in e-commerce, which is how much does it cost to acquire a customer and how much profit do you get out of that customer over their lifetime? And the, the, the really, those, the difference between those two numbers is is really the business, isn't it? Well, that I, I think, yeah. I mean, those those were the two questions that we that we always ponder when we're looking at any e-commerce business and thinking how can we scale it. We say, well, okay, how much does it cost us to acquire a customer, and how much that is that customer worth to us over a lifetime? And that that's e-commerce, like everything, yeah. all conversation around e-commerce fall into those two very simple questions. You know, average order value, margin conversion rate, traffic, email, you know, ROAS, everything all is summarized by how much does it cost us to recruit a customer and how much that customer is worth us over a lifetime. And I think the second question is, you know, how much does it how much is that customer worth to us over a lifetime? That but that's basically the lifetime customer value. And if that's really good, mm-hmm. if you can get more out of your existing customers, it's often the the, you know, the fastest, well, most profitable way to grow. Not necessarily the fastest, because mm-hmm. you might not have any customers in the first place. Um, but it's often, yeah. it, well, it is always the most efficient way to grow. But if you can have a kick-ass lifetime customer value strategy, you know, and, and, and all your competitors are just going for one-hit wonders and haven't even thought about lifetime customer value, it means you can outbid them. You know, in your paid yeah. advertising, and that, and that's why it's the trump card. It's kind, of, it's kind of like the hidden secret trump card. You know, where you know in some e-commerce businesses, you look at you look you might look at your competitors to Google Shopping, and you think, how are they outbidding me? How are how are they going to this? You know, a three times robust, and we we can't get below a seven. Like how did, how are they mm. doing that? Well, you don't know you don't know their ROAS, but it's kind of like you know with all these competitor tools out there, you can kind of see what their marketing is and what they're doing on the front end and stuff. But the lifetime value value of a client is something you can't see. No, for each you can't. for each e-commerce that you, you don't know what it is. You can't. No, you yeah. can't. And and actually, it's very difficult often for even an, uh, your own you know e-commerce business to find mm. out what your lifetime customer value is but but it, it is to summarize i think it is often the the secret trump card of an e of scaling yeah. an e-commerce business because of what i've just said really that you know it, it'll it allows you to be more aggressive with your recruitment strategy and your paid than, marketing than 
Yeah. Because your you, your life and customer value, you know, if you can double your life and customer value, obviously it means you can spend significantly more and be profitable on acquiring a customer yeah. in the first place. But but which comes us to the average number of times people buy in a year, and it's often quite a surprising stat. This, you know, the average amount of times people buy in a twelve month period is. Do you want to say it? Do you want me to say it? 1.2. So they're buying yeah. 1.2 times in 12 months. It's not that much, is it? And Well, it obviously depends on the product Massively. You know, it depends on yeah. the product. And that's the biggest yeah, determining factor of lifetime customer value is actually the product you sell. And, but, yeah. I mean, let's talk about the highest customer value, lifetime customer value, and the lowest. So yeah. I'll start with the lowest. Probably one of the lowest lifetime customer values you're going to see um, is often in, in a company that does gifting. So if you've got a gifting company and people are coming on predominantly buying for somebody else, then they come on, they buy maybe a necklace for the wife, and then they're, they're gone. Because you know, no matter how many emails you send to that, you know, me, and like about earrings and rings and stuff like that, like I'm not in a position to buy it. I'm not going to buy anything else. So they're the kind of lowest um, lifetime customer value ones. Um, and I then, think. Do you want, why don't well, you? I think I think I think that's a na- that's a natural. I won't, I won't I won't use the word problem, but it's a natural uh, behavior for a gifting company. But I don't think they mm. are the lowest lifetime customer value businesses. Because there are maybe a wedding dress, yeah, wedding dress one, or, yeah, or yeah. like you know a one-off purchase, like you know if you're selling sheds, you know how many sheds yeah. you need, you know, and yeah, I mean I love sheds, but you know I probably only yeah. buy one every ten years, you know. So, so, but so gifting company, you know, I think you're right to recognise that, but I don't because there's a lot of people selling gift, and, and obviously there are lots of opportunities to sell gifts again and again in the peak periods yeah and there is there is some repeat business on it yeah there is some but, repeat business but i think on what it. you're but saying what I'm, is what I'm, you can't the customers don't naturally want to buy again and again and again and again um yeah and but i don't want to i don't want people to think of that as a negative like it's not like oh my god you know we've got a low tech life custom value we can't get anywhere because every single other person who's selling that item is in exactly the same boat so mm-hmm. You know, as opposed, um, with the exception of someone like Pandora, who sells those charms, and they've got a huge lifetime customer value because you keep buying those little bloody charms to go on the on the bracelet. Um, you know, and they've got mm-hmm. lifetime value, and that's why it became so big. But <clears throat> most jewelry is kind of like the occasional purchase, and that's it. But uh, but everybody else you're competing against is in the same boat, and so. You know, you can't compare yourself to somebody like a contact lens seller or mm. something like that, where people are buying it once so on every the, six months. On or the something. other, on the other extreme, contact lens business. Or I think the other one might be like yeah. an e-cigarette. We had a we had a client doing e, you know, vaping stuff, and yeah. and, and yeah. I think at the same time we had a contact lens company we're working with, and we had a, an e-cigarette, and their lifetime customer value was just insane, and their conversion rate was like fifteen percent. And she's like, oh, my yeah. God, this is incredible. Um, and it wasn't that they were doing anything amazing to get the lifetime customer value. It was naturally happening. You know, and yeah. and so, you know, you, 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 can't, you can't always get 
massive amounts out of lifetime customer value. And I think the strategy really for lifetime customer value is implementing best practice. And and if you well, you want to be ahead. You want to be ahead of your competitors. That's where you want to be, because if you're ahead of your competitors, then you've got the advantage. Um, yeah. Just just, yeah. just you as you were saying high conversion rate. Do you know what the highest conversion rate I ever saw was? No. It was it was from a travel insurance company, and their conversion rate on their website was seventy three percent on on the uh, on the site. And they cut this was ten years ago, and they came to me for some conversion rate optimization, right? And I was like, "What? Seventy-three <laughs> percent conversion rate? What? What the hell?" Because I guess what what happens is, you know, people go to the travel uh, insurance that one particularly because it was it was this was New Zealand, and there's not that many of them here, and um, it was like you're just there to do it, and that's it, and you check out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it was huge. Let's all start you know, travel insurance company. Oh yeah, I bet it, I bet that's not competitive. No. <laughs> what was their uh, cost per acquisition though? I, to be honest, it like it, you, you've, New Zealand's such a small country that you've got a lot of these kind of semi-monopolies in the market. Like there's only two supermarkets that dominate. There's only two supermarket like companies that dominate the whole landscape, and you've got like, like one uh, travel insurance company that do- dominates the whole country, and there's only one health insurance. So it, it's a very it's it's a very different market to the UK and the US and those kind of things, and that um, the, the normal rules don't really apply um, mm. to it, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, so you kind of like the cost per acquisition is very low mm. for them because it's like, oh, if you want travel insurance, you just yeah. go to this guy. If you want this one, you go to this one. I mean, there are some incumbents, but it's not mm. as much. Um, but I digress. You do. So what we talked well, about. We were talking yeah. about the you know the natural life and customer value is is a huge significant determining factor is the products you sell, and if you if you are selling yeah. products that have you know a natural replenishment cycle, you know or you know. <laughs> Well, buy, you're obviously going to get like content lenses. You know, obviously your lifetime customer value is going to be better than if you're selling a, you know, a wardrobe mm-hmm. for a thousand pounds or a, or a gar, you know, kitchen table. And but so I think you have to you have to well, look actually, at that. Yeah. But I actually sent an email out to the list today uh, yesterday, and I was talking about my mate Simon when I was 12 years old, and we we're arguing about whose father was better, and I and he said his father was better because he had six shops, and and. Um, and our father only had two two shops at the time, and I said I said in the email clearly our father was better, and the reason he was better is because his lifetime customer value was way higher. Simon's father was selling um, kind of low priced shampoos and soaps and things like that in that kind of like a a low cost pharmacy kind of shop, and our father was selling bakery goods and r- running bakeries. And to, with our customers, the customers would come and buy from us. Probably once a week, like like they come in and they get their lunch at least once a week. They get a pie or something like that. Whereas Simon's father's customers, they'd only come in once every six months, if if that. Because how often do you kind of go and desperately need a, a not you know a, a cheap shampoo? You might as well just pick it up at the supermarket. You know, it's it's only if you're there. So it it it, it does massively change the dynamics of the business and. Um, sure, there's, there's, there's things that Simon's father could have done to increase uh, lifetime customer value, and the same thing as as, as our father could do to increase lifetime customer value, and that's what we that's what we watched them do as we were sitting at the dinner table, wasn't it? Yeah, it's true. The amount of we just made this up. 
Are you talking about Simon Which Jackson? Bit? No, not Simon oh. Jackson. No, he he was no. the one. Simon Jackson's father was an account uh, oh. was a solicitor. Okay, yeah. I, 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 yeah. that's interesting. The, anyway, what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> I'm talking about lifetime custom value. You keep drifting off. Sorry, You're talking about shampoo, <laughs> bakery goods. For God's sake. But basically, yeah. Yeah. I think what 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 I what I'm just saying is that you know, in in a lot of cases, with lifetime customer value, you need to, you need to implement best practice. And then, but the determining yeah. factor will be the product you sell. So if you if you find yourself thinking, I just cannot get the lifetime customer value up, no matter no matter what I do, and I think we'll give you the best practices in a minute. But but if you just cannot do it, you then have to look at the product base. You've got to look at your products. You've got to go. You know what? Yeah. What are the natural things that I can sell? to this customer how can i monetize this customer database because mm. you know otherwise you might say do you know what we, we, we you know we're just not going to be able to buy traffic profitably based on the fact that people only buy once and never come back because the only way we're going to grow is by paying google and we'll take the take the the the, the shed example for example you know like the 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 guy that was selling sheds here and he was selling sheds and he couldn't work out what to sell them later on and then the shed market become a lot, became a lot more competitive, and he figured out that he could sell storage boxes to um, the people who sold, uh, bought sheds off him. And then he created, he actually created a huge business around it. It's, it, it's, it's one of the biggest e-commerce sites here uh, overall now. And of course, you know, now he's got the lifetime customer value. The people who just sell sheds, he can massively outcompete them because they've got nothing else to yeah. sell to the customer later on. So they've got to get all their revenue so when and you, all their margin and all their profit from that first sale. He can outcompete them. You mean that he he can uh, he can confidently afford to push his marketing harder and operate at a lower return on ad spend to recruit new customers yeah. more aggressively than his competitors. Yeah, and that's that yeah. is the that is the key. And we work. We mm. have something called the margin seat sheet, which I'm sure we can put in the show notes or it, we can make it available. Essentially, it's a simple little spreadsheet that on one side, it's got the, the, the ROAS needed to, for a new customer. So you can say, okay, based on, you know, you're recruiting a new customer, based on a margin, cost of sale, delivery, overheads, you know, uh, and, you know, you know, the average order value, takeoff tax, et cetera. And it's basically says, all right, we, we you know, our lowest break-even point is a three you know, three times, 3.5 times back. So 350, you know, row us. And yeah. on the right-hand side, you've got a lifetime customer value. And, and lifetime customer value yeah. we define as what is their value in the preceding 12-month period. So if they came and bought again at the same amount, so they initially, initially came and spent £100 or $100, they came back, in uh, you know, on the second order, they, they did another hundred dollars. They will be worth two hundred dollars, mm. and obviously the second yeah. order you haven't had to pay the advertising cost because you've already paid that in the mm. first order. So you, while looking at that analogy, you then go, well, on the left hand side of my first uh, my first order, I can operate on a three point five times return, but because they're coming back and buying again, I can now operate. On a lower ROAS, I can go to a lower. And obviously, mm. the, the lower the ROAS, the easier you can scale the business. So if you've got a really high ROAS, mm. 
you know, and let's say let's say you can operate, you know, on a five times ROAS, and your your ads are set to ten, and you're not even looking at the lifetime customer value effect. You know, you're leaving money on the table, and yeah. and that's purely. We'll give, we'll give them the give the talk about the white company example because well, that's white, a very yeah, good example. Yeah, the white the, the white company, yeah, obviously massive company in the UK. I mean, must be doing over a hundred million now and some. Um, when they were growing from five to fifty million, um, you know, and it's an aspirational brand. It's a great brand, a great success story in the UK. When they were growing from five to fifty million, they 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 recruited customers at a twenty pound loss, and they broke even on the second purchase, and they were in profit after that. And so they mm. were happy to recruit at a twenty pound loss. Now. And that's just because, but they were they aggressively wanted to get from five to fifty million. So that, that was the only way they could grow. Mm. You know, they 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 would they, at that speed. But they had the data to support they did. that. They, you they know, did. You know, and they, they basically be, said, "How can we get more money out of our list?" They had the confidence to know um, that they could they could be that aggressive because they knew they were going to come back. And they did it with brochures and catalogue drops and off the page and things like that. But the same effect applies you know, with, with all of the online spend. But that's purely what it is. That shed example, the only reason we said, look, you know, if you want to grow from, I don't know, 5 million to 15 million a year, at the moment you're selling sheds, and yet we can reckon we can get a bit of conversion rate. We know we can get you know, your ad to basket and basket to order rate up a little bit. But if you, you if you want to go from five to fifteen million, something more fundamental has got to happen in the business because your ROAT you, you're limited based on the margin of that share. You can only go to five times ROAS. There's nothing else you can do, mm. and so you're going to get stuck. You you know you're not going to be able to grow it because you're going to get stuck because it won't be profitable to pull the traffic lever any harder. So for them, we had to had to add. Um, a, a supplementary we had to get the last value up and obviously we could have tried to get yeah. the average order value up at the same time and things like that there's all those but basically the fundamental mass there and that's why the lifetime customer value is like the hidden trump card because your competitors can't see it they don't know what you're doing they go wow are they, why are they dominating Google Shopping you know what the hell yeah and, it, and it, they, but you know what yeah you know what? People listening to this, like we've convinced them that lifetime customer value is important. I mean, obviously, people probably came to the podcast already thinking that the lifetime value was was important. I mean, it is important, obviously. It's like <laughs> get customers to buy more from you. Oh, that's the secret. Um, but like, so the question is, how do how you do, do it? it? Okay. And what is the secret right. to getting the lifetime customer value? Up? So, can I? Can I? Can I just? You? You? you yeah. I mean, I like. I like talking. You like talking. I'll talk. So I think I the first things I would say about lifetime customer value is before before you start delving into your customer database, what I think the first thing to do is, is often if they're going to buy again, they tend to do so quite quickly. And and there are certain industries that that really happens in. And, and, and the, the example we always give is home furnishing. So if somebody buys a table lamp i know we've said this so many times but if someone buys a table lamp um they're basically putting their hand up and saying i'm doing up my room i'm doing up my house and you know that in the mm. next you know six week maybe two months 
you know, they are they they are much more responsive because they're doing it at the house. So, you know, they're going to be responsive to the matching rug and the matching floor lamp and the matching, you know, basically they're doing it at the house. So, you know, they're mm. more likely to buy in that shorter time period. And you get certain businesses where this is just so naturally obvious that it's going to happen because it, it, you're better off hitting them harder then. So that's the first one. Is there a natural buying window? It's the same thing with gardening, you know, or, or even or even like, um, you know, doing it with your car or buying tools or things for your garage, you know, or lawnmowers. It's like, well, if they're bothered, if they do, if they're buying a tool for the for the garage, they're probably at this stage in life, you know, they're doing up the car, they're working on the car. So you kind of go, well, mm. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna naturally hit them. So. You, so you want to incentivize a new customer to buy again quite quickly. You've got to have a reason for them to buy again. That, that's what you'd hit them with. This the first-time customers should be treated differently. And the yeah. second thing that, that we've noticed is that a multi-buyer becomes a multi-buyer. And what I mean by that, and that wasn't, I've made a mistake saying that, but a multi-buyer be, tends to be somebody who responds better. So if somebody buys only once, the chances of them buying a second time diminishes the longer you leave it. So that if they buy for the second time, they're much more likely to buy a third time. And if they buy a third time, they're much more likely to buy a fourth time. And by the time you've got, you know, they've bought three or four times, they're loyal and they tend to come back mm. again and again and again. And obviously, it depends on what you're selling. But but what I'm generally saying is you you buy loyalty. They become much more loyal. And then when you're emailing your house file, the, the multi-buyers are the ones that respond well and come back again mm. and again and again and again. And so the, uh, the, the, the question then comes is who are these mega multi-buyers? You know, who are the ones that are becoming really loyal and where do they come from? And then sometimes mm. you can see very clear patterns of, of, of characteristics that these mega, mega multi-buyers, and, and, and the Pareto rule applies here, you know, the 80-20 rule, you know, the 80% of your, of your retention comes from 20% of your customers. And it's not always like that, but you know, the, that, the analogy is, is correct. So then you go, well, well, who are these multi-buyers and how did we recruit them in the first place? And were there patterns on their first order that could identify them to say, did, did our multi-buyers all do something or buy something initially? You know, did, was their average mm. order value higher initially? Or did they all buy from this category? Or did they all buy these types of products? Or did they all go for this optional extra? And, and the reason why that's fascinating is because if you can work that out, you can then bid more aggressively on the products that these mega mega multipliers originally bought and the theory is then that if you put your weight behind products that give a more loyal customer you can you can spend more and you can go for a lower ROAS and the example that we yeah. give and we have done I mean I think this is probably one of the first things we ever said in the podcast but the example we gave is that is for a, for a fashion client we were looking at who these multipliers were and you know what the what the characteristics were, and and they bought the larger sized clothing, and this was men's fashion, and they mm. bought the larger suits, 
And you know, the, and, yeah. and then you kind of go, "Oh, that makes sense." You know, that someone who buys it, you know, and it was a really, you know, large, you know, you know, kind of muscle guy type. You know, I don't know. It was a muscle mm. guy. Once they found, once they found a fit, yeah, they once liked, they found someone, they, they fit, they're, they're going to stay yeah, with they it. Stuck with yeah. it, and they bought, they bought, you know, double the amount that mm. that that anyone else did. You know, average. So therefore, you know, okay, well, let's put, let's mm. go and create some campaigns and push the push the lot. The larger men's clothing sizes, because we can afford to. So, can I just summarise yeah. that up? Because it's it, 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 as you were talking, I realised what it's, it's kind of like a dumbbell strategy. So you know, like a dumbbell has got two big ends, like a weight, and a thin bit in the middle. Yeah, like a weight. This, it's got two weights at the end and a thin Mark bit in the middle. Analogy that you're gonna... Yeah, you wait, wait for it, wait for it. So the lifetime customer value is you focus in those two areas. The first area is getting the second sale. So you really work on getting the second sale. And then the other end of the dumbbell is the focus is on the top 20% of customers that drive 80% of the revenue or, 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 or what, however many percentage of customers drive 80% of the revenue. Sometimes it's more skewed and sometimes it's less skewed. So those are the two focus areas where we really turn things around. Because if you focus on getting the second sale and improving that and then improving that top 20% or the top the 80% of revenue customers, then the middle tends to take care of itself because you're getting a lot more people coming into the, uh, the potential of being a top 20, top 20% customer. And, um, it's moving, moving people through, through the funnel. So, um, if you're looking at lifetime value, those two areas are the places that we, we, we go for quick wins, first of all, because, you know, there was one customer, um, who for years, uh, £10,000 a month was on, on Google, Google AdWords. We did the dumbbell strategy with them, and now they're spending £200,000 a month and making more profit uh, at a lower ROAS. And mm. it was literally increasing the second sale and increasing the top, what the top 20% did. And there's, there's strategies for both of those that kind of make them yeah. uh, easier and I, I think, to do. Yeah, and I think, that, I think that's right. It's an overall you know, framework that, that makes sense. It's, too, it's quite simple really. Um, and there are, and there are yeah. lots of methods to, you know, from a practical perspective, you know, email is critical. You know, email is your friend when yeah. it comes to life and customer value, because it tends to be the, the primary channel for you to talk to your existing customers. And then you talk, you know, you're thinking about things like the loyalty systems, you know, and, yeah, and, you know what you and basically what your whole retention strategy is. So you do have to ret- define your retention strategy. You know, you've got your recruitment strategy. Yeah. You, you need to treat your first-time customers differently, and then you need to you need to think about what well, what is our retention strategy. And and that's and that's that's key, really. And like if I and I look at a lot of conversations that are coming at me from some of the smaller people, and they are. You know, they say, oh, Google AdWords has, has dropped off or it's changed this and I'm not getting the sales from that. And it's almost like they believe that some magic in the Google AdWords account is going to fix their business. And really, it's not usually the case. Uh-huh. It's it's like Google AdWords will give you a range of um, things between a certain amount. You know, like it's going to have like a good AdWords person will probably be able to get you an extra X percent but they're not going to be able to revolutionize it. And if the fundamentals that sit underneath the Google ads Sorry, is just, what's important. Yeah, because, Apologies. No, it was the it door. Was the door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as the fundamentals that sit underneath 
um, what the traffic is coming into, the business model that's coming into, that will make the difference. So that that, that is where you can work. And, and if you actually work in that area, there's so much more you can do than just play around with Google Ads. Now, I, I you know, I, I, I do a lot of Google Ads and I do a lot of advanced Google Ads. And I, I'm not saying that there aren't things you can do, but the fundamentals of the business are outside of the Google AdWords controller and, and probably the Facebook ads uh, controller as well. You know, the person who's running those, you know, you, you, if, if, if you could say to your Facebook ads person, look, you can now go and get a two, 200% ROAS compared to the five ROAS I've been trying to get you to get, it's going to make their job so much easier. And if you've done that because you've, you've increased the, 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 the second sale by twice and you've increased top, top 20% by two, you know, like game it's changing. a different game. It's an absolute game changer. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And you know, you know, throughout our whole journey over the last I don't know, 15, 20 years of, of working with e-commerce businesses, you know, there's the consistency here is we're saying there's no magic wand. There's no, you know, there's no you can't magically click your fingers and get somebody to buy. And it's the same thing with Google Shopping, you know, or any paid advertising. Mm. You know, there's no you know, if your value proposition's bad. You know, and you you are not you are not giving the customers what they want. You're not competitive. Your pricing's not right. You, you you're not telling people when it's going to arrive. You haven't got any trust and credibility. You're not taking anxiety. You hide your returns policy. Your navigational flow's terrible. You you're not going to sell anything on Google Shopping. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, if you haven't got the basic fundamentals right, and no agency or or clever e-com guy. It's, and the first thing they should be telling you is to say, look, you, you haven't done the market square test. You're not competitive. And you know, yeah. there's no magic wands uh, at all. It's basic. It's basic stuff throughout yeah, the entire really e-commerce business. business. And it comes down to those yeah. two questions. How much does it cost us to recruit a customer and how much that customer's worth to us over a lifetime? That's what you've got to obsess over. They're the questions that matter. Mm. And you, that, that's why your, your whole strategy, if you focus on those two questions, have them on the wall in your office, mm. And focus on those two things. The Hammersley Brothers wall chart yeah. with all like our sayings on it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, Ian, I better let you get to yeah, bed. It's late. Appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening in. We'll be back next week and uh, wish you all the best.